the potential of machine learning strategies in the area of return prediction will not be as impressive as what we would expect or we would have hoped. And because of that, I think human investors, human managers will continue to play an important role in the investment process. And in the future, maybe sort of, uh, some sort of a combination between human beings and artificial intelligence. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. Welcome. I'm Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast for Lehigh University's College of Business. Today is February 1st, 2023, and we're talking with Sterling Yan about whether machine learning methods can actually boost investment performance over results obtained through traditional models. Dr. Yan holds the Joseph R. Perella and Amy M. Perella Chair in Finance in Lehigh's College of Business. His main research interests include asset pricing, institutional investors, mutual funds, hedge funds, short selling, and liquidity. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast, Sterling. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the introduction. Before we get into the details of your research, let's start by looking at some of the differences between human investing strategies and machine learning strategies. As you noted during a presentation on your research last year, the entire hedge fund industry is built on the idea that fund managers are able to predict stock returns. So how do successful human investors arrive at their determination whether one stock will have higher returns than another stock. You're right. Um, return prediction is extremely important uh, in the uh, not only among finance academics, but also in the financial industry. As you can imagine, if you are able to predict returns with a lot of success, essentially uh, you are able to uh, you are able to print money. Um, so that uh, creates a lot of incentive for the smartest people to trying to predict returns and hedge funds, uh, the industry is built on the idea that they are able to predict returns, right? They claim to be able to predict returns. Now, even though we talk about human investing strategies versus machine learning strategies in your question, but I don't want to put them in two completely distinct categories because even the machine learning strategies, there is human uh, input. There's a lot of human input in that process. Having said that, traditionally, uh, fund managers, um, institutional investors uh, use, broadly speaking, fundamental analysis and technical analysis. Okay, so uh, fundamental analysis, they would use uh, financial statement information about the company. They use uh, economic uh, analysis analysis of the industry that the company is operating in, uh, anything that's relevant for the value of the company. So what they do is they try to arrive at a value of the company and then compare that to the market price of the stock of the company and try to determine whether they should buy or sell the stock. So that's fundamental analysis. Technical analysis is where fund managers is trying to use historical trading information, historical prices, historical trading volume. So by and large, those are the two primary um, approaches used by fund managers in the past. And with machine learning, what information and how do they arrive at the stocks, stock return results that they're predicting? So with the traditional approach, 
uh, fund managers tend to focus on a relatively small set of uh, variables or signals that uh, they can use to predict stock returns, for example, uh, and the their ability to account for um, the complex interactions or relations between those signals and variables with future stock returns is kind of limited. And uh, the um, and machine learning strategy, uh, the new technology allows uh, the fund managers to be able to expand, uh, for example, the set of uh, signals, investment signals that they can, they can consider, increase that set substantially and be able to identify um, the, uh, the signals that truly can forecast future stock returns. Again, that's the theory. That's the idea. That's what they're trying to do. And how prevalent has machine learning become in predicting investment performance? I think it is very difficult to get a precise idea on this. But if you are a large asset manager, if you are an asset manager with a decent size, I don't think you can afford not to look at machine learning nowadays. Having said that, they, uh, most of them have explored machine learning in their investment process. The extent to which they actually use machine learning in their investment uh, process is uh, an open question. So is it more of a case, particularly where um, you, know, you have an investment and fund managers use it as a supplement to what they do as opposed to relying on it to make decisions? Uh, that's a very good way to characterize the uh, machine learning, the role of machine learning in, in the investment uh, process nowadays. So those are two, uh, two categories. Uh, some of the fund managers perhaps, you know, develop a fund uh, built on, entirely built on the idea that the investment process is uh, going to be done with uh, 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 machine learning strategies. But most of the funds traditionally are using machine learning strategies as a, a supplement uh, to help with their uh, existing uh, investment strategies and uh, methodologies. Now, there have been a, a series of studies over recent years, asset pricing studies, that usually find that machine learning can double or even triple stock market returns delivered by traditional models. What was it that led you and your three academic colleagues from other universities to examine whether that was actually the case? So some of the scholars in recent studies uh, using machine learning strategies to predict uh, future stock returns uh, have by and large painted a rather uh, rosy picture for the performance of machine learning strategies. Um, so me and my colleagues, and there are two two broad reasons. One is sort of a general reason why we are a little skeptical about, uh, about uh, this funding, and the other is a specific reason. So let me talk about the general reason first. Okay. Uh, there's, there's actually a theory in finance, and that, that is the market is pretty efficient. Now, the market is not always efficient, but the market is pretty efficient. That's one default theory of the financial market. And it's built on the idea that if the market is not efficient, uh, when the market is efficient, by the way, uh, stock returns are not very predictable, except that one is predictable because they are risky. And the idea why the market may be quite efficient is built on the idea that if the market is not efficient, then smart investors will try to exploit that. And the simple process of exploiting market 
predictability is going to make the market more efficient. So that's why there is the default theory saying that the market should be pretty efficient. So that's one general broad conceptual reason why uh, one can be skeptical about uh, a very large magnitude of predictability documented by previous studies, for example. A specific reason has to do with the design of the studies um, uh, in these recent studies, uh, a particular design choice. And it turns out what happened was that uh, most of the prior studies, recent studies, use anomaly variables, uh, investment signals, that is, that were discovered in the more recent time period. And they assume that investors, real-time investors in the 1960s, many decades ago, were able to be aware of those uh, predictors and use them to be able to predict returns. So there's a hindsight bias in some sense uh, in that uh, choice of uh, methodology. I can elaborate on that if you want to, uh, but but there is a hindsight bias in some sense. That is right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do think that's interesting, and and I think it would be interesting for our listeners to understand that a little better as well. Um, this this idea that in looking at these anomaly variables that have you know been developed say from the 90s onward and then applying them back to the 50s or 60s or 70s that there's an underlying assumption that investors at that time in the 50s and 60s and 70s were aware of these variables that weren't actually identified until decades later exactly I think Jack, you made a uh, made it more clear than I did just <laughs> a, a couple minutes ago on that on that point. So uh, again, it, this has to do with the field of finance being different from the other fields. For example, where machine learning and artificial intelligence have been very uh, very successful. For example, I mean, uh, artificial intelligence can play chess right much much better than human beings are able to. And uh, there are many, many other areas, image recognition, uh, cars driving themselves. There are many, many other areas where artificial intelligence is extremely successful, but there are some fundamental differences between finance, between return prediction, trying to predict future returns uh, from, the, uh, from the other applications I, I just mentioned, uh, meaning that in finance, in order for machine learning, artificial intelligence to be successful, one of the things that's necessary is that you ought to have abundant amount of data, a large amount of data for the machine learning, for the artificial intelligence to be able to learn from. That's actually not the case in finance. We can't artificially generate new data, right? Come up with images or let the car drive itself or let the artificial intelligence to play chess games to create millions and millions of chess, new chess games. In finance, we can't generate data that way. The market goes down today by 1% or it goes up by 1%. That's the data we have. We can't artificially generate a new set of data where today the stock performed differently. So the amount of data is relatively limited in the finance area. And there's some other differences where finance is different and that's is one of the reasons why machine learning strategies may not be as successful as one would uh, uh, expect. Now, it does seem, you know, the stock market has been around for, you know, basically a century or more. Um, so there, 
there is what would seem to at least a lay person there there must be a lot of information out there but i know in in your study you address that that you know 100 years really isn't that much um for you're what, right. what you're talking about the, the your question is extremely reasonable to uh to a to a lay person now to an expert 100 years of data we're trying to there's a lot of that's the second characteristic that i haven't touched on and that is there's a lot of noise in finance data. When I say noise, meaning that if you're trying to um, uh, drive a car around based on the information regarding speed and distance, for example, you can learn and improve your driving skill. And that's very, um, you, because of the data you receive, the feedback you receive is extremely uh, informative. In finance, however, because the data is very noisy and uh, because most of the day stock prices go up and down because of uh, new information or because of noise, not because the, the predictable component of the return that allows you to say the market will go up or go down. And as a result, it takes a lot more data, it takes a lot longer uh, time series in order to learn the rules. Okay. You're not learning something that's, a, you know, uh, in, in driving a car, for example, you're trying to learn some physical laws, right? The, the relation between distance and speed, how you make turns, how you change directions, how that's going to affect your safety, right? And here, you are trying to learn something where the data tells you very little. There's a lot of noise. That's why it takes a lot more data to learn where the data is actually relatively scarce. That's the reason why I said 100 years of data is actually not, a very, it's not very much. And another characteristic, I think I will put this point on right here at this point as well. So I've talked about there's relatively little data in finance and there's a lot of noise in financial data. And the third characteristic that makes machine learning in return prediction extremely difficult is that financial markets are adaptive. We're not trying to learn something that's fixed, constant. That's actually adaptive. It's going to change the moment you're trying to learn. And that goes back to one of the arguments I made earlier. The very process, smart investors trying to exploit any predictability in the stock market will make that predictability go away. I don't know if that's intuitive, but that's the idea. If something predicts some, the stock return, if a, if a lot of smart investors is trying to use that you met uh, investment signal to predict stock returns. It's trying to implement that strategy that will make that predictability actually disappear, which means you have to relearn. And that's something that's also different that separates, distinguishes the financial market from the, uh, from the other areas where machine learning is, uh, is successful. It makes it more challenging. Now, as, as, as simply as you can, if you could talk about the methodology you used in your study, and then, you know, I think what most people are, are most interested in, of course, is kind of the bottom line. What, what were the main findings of your study? Previous studies basically used those anomaly variables that are discovered exposed as predictors, as if you masters were aware of those in the 1950s or 1960s, right? And that was the flaw we identified uh, or the creation of their methodology we identified. Again, the reason why they did that has to do with the um, limited financial data that we talked about. You can't generate new data to train the, to train the model. You actually have to use uh, past data in order to test 
whether the model works or not. So there are reasons for why what they did, uh, what they did, but that was not ideal, that was not perfect. So what we end up doing was, let's take a real investor's perspective. Let's assume we're in the 1950s and 60s. We didn't know what was gonna happen in the 1980s, right? We didn't have the hindsight. And therefore what we're gonna do is, we're gonna look at the data we have. We're gonna construct a bunch of strategies. We're gonna call that a universe, okay? I didn't know, we didn't know in the 50s, 60s, which one was gonna work exposed. So what we're gonna do is we were going to learn from the universe. Um, so what we end up doing is we try to simulate that process. We construct a universe of signals, over 18,000 of them, and assuming masters were able to use machine learning strategies in the 50s and 60s and uh, try to learn something from that universe and then use that to um, enhance or implement the investment strategy. And then we evaluate the performance of that strategy. So what our main findings are that, yes, we find that machine learning strategy do work in the sense that they can enhance uh, your investment performance, but not to the extent uh, that was documented in the uh, recent studies that we just talked about. So the magnitude of the performance, investment performance uh, improvement is substantially smaller than what has been documented. And again, for reasons of the limitations of, this, uh, of, of their methodology. If I understand this correctly, um, rather than, than just stopping with pointing out the flaws that you were able to identify in the, the previous studies, you and your colleagues went on to develop real-time machine learning investment strategies with the key being that they're implementable in real time. So if you could talk about how you did that and why that's so important. So essentially, we just talked about that, um, mm -hmm. the construction of the universe of uh, strategies and not assuming investors were aware of the what was going to happen 20 or 30 years later and that made the strategy, our strategy, a real-time implementable. And that's important because when we um, evaluate the performance of the investment strategy based on machine learning methodologies, um, we want to make it uh, to be real. Um, but um, so that's, that's why it is important. And that's the key difference. In fact, the title of our paper uh, is the real-time uh, performance of machine learning strategies. So uh, that dimension is important to our study. And so what's the bottom line? Um, let's start with the bottom line of your study for those in the investment field. What kind of takeaways are there for them if, and I, I guess there really aren't any who are not using machine learning to some degree at this point, but how do they change what they're doing then? Machine learning is changing everything. Machine learning holds a lot of promise for the financial industry as well. Having said that, return prediction is fundamentally different, more challenging than some of the applications where machine learning artificial intelligence has been very successful at for the reasons I just talked about. Financial markets, we have limited data. Financial data, not as high quality because the information ratio, the noise ratio is too high. Information ratio is too low. And financial markets are adaptive. They change, it's dynamic. You are not learning something that's fixed. So for those reasons, 
machine learning strategies is going to face a lot more challenges in the return prediction in the financial industry uh, than some of the other areas. So that's something we want the investors and fund managers and to be aware of, to be more realistic about what machine learning strategies are able to help them with their investment strategies. And in terms of investors, and I would assume that um, you know, the people using relying more heavily on machine learning are probably the smaller investors who, it, it, because of the cost differential and all that, um, have opted into that. It, what should they be thinking about in light of what you found? Well, uh, at this point, machine learning strategies have become more readily available even to some of the smaller investors. But I would argue that um, this is still something that's uh, where large investors, uh, as managers with a lot of resources, are more capable of doing uh, at this point. So for smaller investors, especially individual investors, this is not something that um, that has become uh, a mainstay in among the retail investors. And in terms of uh, you know, kind of looking at a crystal ball into the future. Um, as machine learning continues to grow more sophisticated, uh, how do you think the role of of the human fund managers will change in the future? That's a very good question because uh, we can never discount, underestimate how fast or how much the technology is able to change, right? So machine learning strategies themselves will become more sophisticated, perhaps will be reaching at a stage where it can do things that are not thought possible now today, even in the area of finance. So that's still possible, but those fundamental characteristics of financial markets that I have talked about maybe two or three times already in this podcast, those things will not change very quickly. And as as a result, um, the, um, the potential of machine learning strategies in the area of return prediction in my opinion, will continue to be not going to be as impressive as what we would expect or we would have hoped. And because of that, I think human investors, human managers will continue to play an important role in the investment process. And in the future, maybe uh, some sort of a combination between human beings uh, and artificial intelligence, that may be the optimal model going forward. The machine learning will likely to play an increasingly important role, uh, but there will not be any substitute for, um, for human uh, involvement in this process. And the last question I usually like to ask is, uh, is, is there anything I haven't asked you about or um, anything that we haven't talked about that you think our listeners should know about machine learning and stock returns? I just want to reiterate that again, in general, artificial intelligence, machine learning hold a considerable promise in many different areas of our life or career in different areas. Finance is just somewhat different, especially in terms of return prediction. There are some areas in finance where there's abundant of data, where the goal is different. It's not necessarily return prediction, in which we have already seen a lot of success of machine learning. That's not to discount the value of machine learning and finance in general. It's in this specific area where you are trying to predict the future, predicting future stock returns, 
where it proves to be very challenging, even for uh, the machine learning strategies, artificial intelligence with today's uh, technology. So that's probably my last word on it. Okay. Sterling, I'd like to thank you again for joining us on the Illuminate podcast today. Thank you very much, Jack, for having me. I hope that uh, discussion is helpful. I believe it has been. Sterling N. has published extensively in top academic journals, including Journal of Finance, Journal of Financial Economics, Review of Financial Studies, Management Science, Journal of Financial and Quantitative Analysis, and the Journal of Accounting Research. His research has been cited in Business Week, The Economist, Financial Times, and The Wall Street Journal. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh Business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu news. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Lehigh Business. I'm Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast. Thanks for listening.